Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. I want to say a special greeting to our Laconia family. Can we hear for our Laconia folks? Great to have you here with us this morning. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you just hold them up for me, hold up your Bibles. If you have a device, you can hold that up too. And uh, I want to encourage you, bring your Bibles every week. Uh, We are a Jesus-centered church, which means the Word of God needs to be the center of what we talk about. And so uh, for us to grow in our walk with Jesus, we need to be in His Word. And that means bring your Bibles with you is a great idea. Well, we are in this series called The Rock. We're going through um, the two books that Peter, the Apostle Peter, who is one of Jesus' disciples, uh, he wrote these two books. And we're going chapter by chapter. Today we are on 1 Peter chapter 3. If you'll turn uh, with me in your Bibles to uh, that place, uh, we'll go through that together. But before we get into 1 Peter, I want to let you know what Baptism Sunday is and what that means for you. First of all, if you've never been water baptized, today might be your day. Uh, We have shorts, we have shirts, we have towels just ready for you. If you say, you know what, I wasn't planning on it, but God is stirring something in my heart. How that works is at the end of service, we're going to move into a time of baptism. And uh, I will kind of instruct you to, now's the time to get changed As we said, we have shorts and t-shirts and towels for you. If you said, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've never been baptized. And interestingly enough, 1 Peter chapter 3 talks about baptism. So it's very fitting for today. So those of you who are already planning to be baptized, I will tell you when would be the time to go get changed. So you can just sit and enjoy the service. And I'll let you know when that time will be. Well, I want to also let you know, um, some of you will have this battle in your mind. Should I, should I not get baptized? Should I, should I not? And I want to say, trust your heart. If your heart is starting to go pitter-patter, 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 patter, this is my day, it's not my day, it's my day, this probably means it's your day. <laughs> you got to trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you in those moments, and he's really drawing you into obedience. Baptism does not save you. It is an outward uh, sign of what God has already been doing in your life. Well, let's pray, and then we'll get on with 1 Peter chapter 3. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you that we've already been in your presence. Oh, man, I needed that this morning, Father, just to kind of be with you, uh, with our church family, that we can worship corporately together. It just does something inside my soul, in my heart, in my spirit. I'm just so grateful for who you are. And, Lord, I just pray that the words that I speak this morning would be your words, They wouldn't be my words, um, but it would bring life to this body. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are talking 1 Peter chapter 3. I uh, I had a meeting with somebody this week, and they said, you know, I, I sometimes feel badly that I come to church by myself, and... Um, I see some of these other husbands and wives and couples and they put their arm around each other and they squeeze each other when somebody makes a a good point or nudge them, that was for you. And it's like, I feel badly because my spouse is not here with me. My spouse may be an unbeliever or maybe doesn't find value in church today. That is one of the topics we're going to be talking about. How should we live with an unbelieving spouse? 
There's actually 1 Peter chapter 3 is broken down in three sections. So the first section will be, we'll be talking about how should we live with an unbelieving spouse. Number two, we'll be talking about what should our actions be when we face trials. Anybody facing trials these days? Hello. Um, I am, as I said, I, somebody was like, uh, how are you doing? I was like, all I can say is I'm just thankful for Jesus because I don't know how people get through life without Jesus. I had one of those weeks that um, I'm so grateful for my church family and I'm so grateful for Jesus. And then the third thing is uh, why we should be uh, water baptized. So the first thing we're going to talk about is how should we live with an unbelieving spouse? Number two, what should our actions be when we face trials? And number three, why should we be water baptized? Peter himself addresses those things in 1 Peter chapter 3. So I, I want to say, first of all, let's, let's read some of this together. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, there's what we have for this unbelieving spouse, that they might be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your... Adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be hidden, the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Audra obeyed Mark... Just a second. Are you following me here? As Audra obeyed Mark, calling him Lord. And, and you... Okay, it doesn't say that. That, that, is, that is the Mark translation version of the Bible. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I do have to say, um, just, I think she did it once. Just to make, just to appease me. I said, wouldn't it be amazing, not big L, Lord, like not Lord Jesus, Lord, but just like, yes, my Lord, how may I serve you today? I, I just, there's just something that happens inside of me when, guys, who wouldn't want their spouse to do that? Raise your hand. Men, come on. You're afraid. I know it. You don't want to put up your hand. <laughs> okay. And you are her children if you are good and do not... Uh, fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the women as the weaker vessel. Don't get hung up on the weaker vessel thing. It just means you're not as strong sometimes. Um, and since they are heirs with you, like physical strength, I'm, not, I'm just talking about, um, I am not digging a hole at this point in time. Just keep your focus on the word of God, please. <laughs> Uh, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. I love that heirs with you. This the shoulder by shoulder. This is not lording over one over the other. It is coming together in partnership. So I'd like to say this. So the question is, how should we live with an unbelieving spouse? And I'd like to say a doubting spouse will believe when her actions become believable. What that means is this. 
when it talks about this, this outward appearance, braiding of hair and gold jewelry, it's not saying, women, you can't braid your hair or wear jewelry. What it's saying is, what is really important is the allowing Jesus to work in your life first. It's so easy when we come to find Christ that all of a sudden we realize that I'm on this journey with Jesus and, and now we start pointing things out in our spouse's life of saying, hey, you need to get your life right. And, and the word of God here is saying, no, 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 no. Just focus on yourself. And as you conduct yourself in a way where you allow Jesus to shape you and mold you and transform you, that just by your conduct of allowing Jesus to do an amazing work in your life, a spouse will start saying, what is this happening in my spouse, my husband or my wife? This something must be something real because all of a sudden, your actions are very believable. You once were this, and now you're this. You once had so much anxiety, and now you have peace. How could that be? Well, you can't make that stuff up. It becomes believable when our actions uh, show that there's a true God at work in our life. So there's that scripture for us. So, so you say, well, how should we behave? You behave by taking your challenges in your marriage. You take those things that you struggle with, and instead of trying to fix the other person, you say, God, fix me. Fix me. Because the reality of it is there's a lot of work that Jesus still needs to do in us before we start pointing any fingers at anybody else. And so if we pray for our spouse, if we ask God to do a deep work in us, know how we should love them better, serve them better, that's the key to allowing them to see Jesus for themselves is when our actions become believable. Well, I'm going to move on to this next section of 1 Peter. Remember, Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He's the one who established the first church. But I have to say, Peter was imprisoned many times for his faith. It was very dangerous to be a follower of Jesus back in this time when he was writing. Actually, Peter lost his life. He was crucified. Some would say he is crucified upside down because he did not count it himself worthy to be crucified like Jesus. So he was crucified upside down. But before he, he was um, executed, he wrote these letters and he understood the trials that we face. And, and I, I tell you, life can be difficult. And if you're not in a trial this week, probably next week you will be. <laughs> That's just the way life is. But he's given us the ability to know how to handle these trials in a way to still show Jesus in our life. And here's how it is. So let's pick up on 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. If you want qualities of being Christ-like, those are some good qualities to try to have worked in your life. Unity, sympathy, Love for one another, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil. Do not repay evil or rivaling for rivaling. That word rivaling is like when somebody uh, speaks harshly, negatively, and, and kind of throws you under the bus. Don't, don't give it back to them. Just let them do their thing. But on the contrary, bless Bless for to this, okay, but on the contrary, bless. 
For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. All right, so he's saying, when somebody speaks negatively against you, when somebody comes against you, don't try to figure out how am I going to get them back. Our flesh wants to. I know it. I've been there. I'm not that holy yet. I want to get back at people. I really do. But it would not be the thing that would bless my life. It would actually bring a curse on my life. Instead, if I want my life to still be blessed, then I need to find ways to bless them. And not bless them like, oh, bless you. You know, like, I'm cursing you by saying bless. You know, down south, bless you, my, my child. When really you're just kind of saying, I don't really like you, but I'm going to say bless you. And the reality is it's a heart issue. You can't have just words and, and your heart not be right. You legitimately have to um, have your heart in the right place. I had, uh, I, I've had some people speaking negatively against me. And, and I've, I honestly, I, I, I want to defend myself. I want to stand up and say, what they're saying is wrong. But as I was preparing for this, and as I allowed the Lord to work in my heart, I need to say, how do I actually bless them? How do I bless them? Not curse them, not try to get even, but how do I bless them? I don't have the answer for that yet, by the way. Maybe next week I'll report to you on that one. (laughs) God's still working on me. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. There's a good idea. Let's seek peace. Pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and the ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Wow, if you want God to hear your prayers, if you want God to be open-handed with you and, and listen to you, here's the key. Don't try to get back at people. When you have a trial, bless the people that are cursing you. Be a peacemaker. Don't stir the pot. Find ways to To settle your heart, it's hard. I know it. But guess what? God is with you if you do. Let's go to verse 13. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. Wow, really? That's what it says. For any of you who decides to stand up, kids, I want to say in school today, if you're in public school, it it can be a hostile environment to be a follower of Jesus. You might get ridiculed. But I'll tell you what, when you stand up for what's doing right, hey, you go go to parties and they're drinking or whatever, and you say, hey, guys, I'm not being a part of it. And you start standing up for righteousness, you will be blessed, the word of God says. So you don't have to be concerned. Yeah, it might sting a little bit because you want to be liked. Yes, it might not feel great at the time, but know that God's going to bless you. Have no fear. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. 
But in your hearts, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do not, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that, that when you are slandered, those who rev, revile your good... I need to take some reading skills here this morning. Man, stumbling all over my words. Okay, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will for doing should be for God's will than for doing evil. All right, we got through that. Stumble, stumble, stumble. I hope you found what I was trying to say here. So here's the main point. Here's the main point. Bringing it home. Uh, Look to this slide. You can expect people to ask you the reason for your hope when your response to a trial, when you respond to a trial in an unexpected way. You can expect people to ask you the reason for your hope when you respond to a trial in an unexpected way. Let that sink in for a moment. So when you face a trial and you find instead of getting back at somebody, you find a way to bless them. When you have trouble in your life and people might be persecuting you, and instead of getting back or instead of reacting, you actually respond in a way that's Christ-like. And here's the very thing. Here's the, here's the gold in that statement. Is they'll actually start to see Jesus in your life. You see, our lives are meant to be a reflection of who Jesus is because Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's the one who makes all wrongs right. He's the one that gives us a place of eternity with the Father. And he has, he has asked us, those who follow Christ, to be an example for him and to allow people to see Christ in our lives. Our flesh, our natural way, wants to repay evil with evil. We want to react to a situation. I'm thankful for my life group. My life group is so good. Actually, one of uh, the gals in my life group is getting baptized today. She's my neighbor and... and it's amazing to see the story, uh, what God's been doing in her life. But she led our life group last week, and, and she's holding us accountable. I love it. A newer believer holding me accountable. <laughs> it's great. And here's what she said. She says, okay, it's great to go through this life group study, but what are we going to do about it? How are we going to change our actions for the week? And, and, and so my thing was I wanted to learn to be a little bit slower to speak and I wanted to ponder things in my heart a little bit longer and I want to respond to somebody or respond to a situation and not react. Because when we react, I'll tell you what, our flesh gets in the way and chances are how we're reacting is probably we're going to look back and say, ooh, I shouldn't have sent that email so quick. Why did I do send? not good. Or send that text so fast, get him back at him. You making me mad. Oh, why did I do that? No, I I needed to pause and pray and say, God, how do, how should I respond to that situation and not react to that situation? 
a big difference. You see, because at the end of the day, what do I want people to say? They say, why do you have the hope? Why, why are you not being completely taken down by this difficult circumstance? What is it that's in you? And it gives us the ability to respond, to say, well, I'll tell you what, without Jesus, there's no way I could do this. And I would say this week, without Jesus, <laughs> there's no way I could do this. I'm so thankful for my life group that is, is, is pressing me to continue to grow and pressing in the right direction to say, how do we reflect Jesus in our everyday life? All right, well, I'm going to try reading again and try not to botch this section up here. All right, 1 Peter uh, 3, verse 18. Now, remember, I said it's kind of broken into three sections. Now, Peter's going to move into, interestingly enough, about being baptized. For Christ also suffered. By the way, if you're a follower of Christ, I know he covers, he takes care of all your guilt and your shame. And for a moment, we feel like this overwhelming bliss and joy. But guess what? Their life will still happen and we will suffer just like Jesus suffered. But the difference is, is we're not taken out by it. We actually can grow through it. So for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. I, I want to pause there. It's interesting that he's using Noah's analogy of the ark and the flood to talk about baptism. So he starts by saying, Jesus suffered, but he died to his flesh so his spirit would come alive. And by his actual death, it allows our spirit to come alive. This was called being born again. It's, we're not actually crawl back into mama's womb and then be birthed, pop back out again. He's actually saying spiritually, sorry, that was just a bad analogy. That was a bad visual right there. But, but really what he was saying is spiritually, you have new birth. Spiritually, you have new birth. And what took place in the days of Noah, Noah's generation, it was very evil. Uh, people didn't, had no desire to follow God except Noah's family. And God provided a way through water, actually, to save this family. Let's keep reading. Baptism, verse 21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, meaning what took place in the time of Noah, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from your body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me finish this up, then I'll give some explanation. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. All right, so I want to bring some clarification. Bapt, even though it says that it saves you, it, it actually doesn't save you. Our faith in Jesus Christ saves us. 
Our profession of saying, I want Jesus in my life, Lord of all. I want him to, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. That inviting him into your life saves you. But what he is saying is, he's, it's the same idea of being saved, rescued, is probably a better, better word for this. He rescues us. And so he's saying, going into this hot tub is not to get clean. It's not to wash away your dirt. It's actually to proclaim what Jesus has already done, what he's already done to save you. So you've already made a decision to follow Christ. He's already saved you. But it's to proclaim to all the onlookers to say, I am now sealed by Jesus and I'm a Jesus follower. So we can say it this way. Water baptism is an act of obedience that shows others your allegiance. Now, why this was so critical back in the day, and it's still important for us today, and it's important that it's done in front of people, that's the whole point of it. Back in the day when, when being a, uh, a follower of Christ was very dangerous, you wanted to make sure somebody was going to get baptized, that there was, wasn't going to be a spy coming in. Oh, I'm a Jesus follower, but really they were a spy to try to find out who were the Jesus followers and get them persecuted or killed. And so if you were baptized, he was saying, I'm, I've been marked. I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm publicly declaring with all of you that, that I'm a follower of Jesus. And that's what baptism does. It doesn't save you but it proclaims. It's an act of obedience. You know, the great um, commission, going to all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When Philip met an Ethiopian eunuch on the side of the road, he was reading scripture. He wasn't understanding it, and Philip helped him understand who this Jesus was. And and he got saved at that moment. And, and right then, this Ethiopian says, well, what's preventing me from getting baptized? And they went and found a body of water and baptized them immediately. Really, baptism should be almost immediately following salvation. Here at Grace Capital Church, we just happen to do it quarterly. But if you have, if you've given your life to Jesus and you've never been baptized, you should be baptized. It won't save you, but it is an act of obedience to show your allegiance to Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, it's too easy just to say, oh yeah, I said the prayer once, but not really be willing to get wet in front of everybody and show the world that, no, 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 I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a Jesus follower. Just because you come to church doesn't even mean that you're, you know, a faithful Jesus follower. And by the way, we all have moments of faithfulness and unfaithfulness. I get that. But at the end of the day, we want to be marked to say, my allegiance is to Jesus. This would be the time, if you are here to get baptized, that you can uh, move to get changed. There are restrooms out here you can change there. There are restrooms at the end of the hall as well. And you can change uh, there if the worship team wants to come at this time. So today we talked about three things. We talked about how do we live with an unbelieving spouse. And we say, you know what? Our first action needs to be is like, Jesus, change me. Jesus, change me. And now our conduct 
is the one that will allow people to see Christ in us. We talked about how is it that we can go through trials? What's our action need to be in trials? We, we need to bless, not curse. We need to ponder a little bit more and respond and not react. That we need to find a way that our conduct is such a way that people will start to ask us, hey, what is the hope that is in you? Man, you should be... You should be in a fit of rage right now, but you're not. Why is that? Hey, you should be so depressed right now. My word, life is taking you, taking a toll on you. Why are you depressed? Because I'm standing on the rock. I'm standing on the rock of his word. I'm standing in rock with Jesus Christ. And I want to say, um, this is where the Holy Spirit comes into. At the end of that scripture, uh, he says that the, the Son of God, Jesus, is sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's where Jesus is right now. But he sent us his Holy Spirit. So this morning when you worship, man, you start feeling that. Oh, man, you feel God's presence here. That's the Holy Spirit. We say it's God's presence, but it's really the Holy Spirit. And that flutter that you might be feeling right now saying, you know what, I, Maybe God's encouraging me to get baptized today. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to your spirit. And I want to encourage you to respond. And you can just get up out of your seat right now. There's towels, shirts, shorts right out these doors. And that can be you. And even after we start doing these baptisms, as we start going, you want to respond to the Holy Spirit in your life that way to say, you know what? I've... I've never been baptized or I got sprinkled as a baby or I don't even remember a decision I made. My parents told me I was baptized. This is a believer's baptism. Meaning that if you haven't been baptized since you made a decision, um, then, then that's for you today. I also want to be mindful that there's people here today that would say, you know what, I, I don't even know Jesus yet. Maybe you're a guest here, a family member of somebody who's going to get baptized. And uh, I'm so glad you're here. I want to let you know that you're part of this family, regardless of you're just here as a guest today. There's no pressure. There's no obligation. Just be here, be yourself. But but I would be doing you a a huge disservice if if I didn't talk about what it means to follow Christ. Everybody just close your eyes for a moment. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, and you would say, I want to follow him. I want to serve him. I don't really know what that means yet, but I I, I have the sense that I want to, I want to commit my life to him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. Raise your hand. Thank you. Anybody else here this morning says, I want, to, I want to follow Jesus. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. One more call. Anybody else want to follow Jesus this morning? Follow Jesus. Thank you. Put your hand down. Thank you. There's like six, seven, eight of you who responded. Thank you so much. 
would you just say this prayer? And those of you who are already followers of Christ, it doesn't hurt to say this prayer again because it reaffirms our commitment to Jesus. Jesus, I, I know that I'm a sinner. I've made a lot of mistakes. I'm sorry for those. Please forgive me. Jesus, I accept what you've done on the cross by taking my sin on the cross and dying for me. And I acknowledge what you've done for me and I receive you, Jesus, into my heart today, into my life today. And that act of of invitation, Jesus, you, you fill us with your Holy Spirit. And, and I am being born again. I'm a, my spirit becomes alive to you. That I now can, can hear the Father's voice in heaven. I now can read the Bible and it seemed to make sense. Jesus, I say thank you so much for those who gave their life to the Lord. Amen. So for those of you who gave their life to Christ, I I just want to let you know that you don't have to. But you can. And once you give your life to Christ, that you can get into the waters of baptism to tell the world. Okay, maybe not the whole world. Tell this room (laughs) that you want to say my allegiance is for Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm no longer going to show my allegiance to the world, but I'm going to show my allegiance to Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 